Welcome to Spring Ridge Church Podcast. We hope that you will be blessed by the podcast today. If you would like to find out more information about our church, our website's www.springridgechurch.com. You can send an email to me, the pastor, Scott Phillips, at pastor at springridgechurch.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Prayer requests, questions, desire for a Bible study, or you would like some information how to attend our church or another church of like precious faith. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to tonight's Bible study, Search for Truth. My name is Scott Phillips and uh, welcome you to tonight's Bible study. Uh, I want to make sure the volume is working. Yeah, it's working. Uh, encourage you, uh, if you are tuning in live or if you are watching this after the fact, I encourage you to take a moment and uh, share with us where you're watching this from and uh, let us know if you have any questions you'd like to hear answered, if not during this Bible study, maybe in one of the Bible studies that follow. Uh, we are endeavoring to do these to be a blessing. I started out doing this uh, to uh, teach a Bible study to some young people that, were, uh, that are in our church and uh, trying to connect with them and help them uh, learn more about the Bible, trying to uh, figure out a good time. And so uh, uh, every week I try something different. And tonight, uh, this is the first time I've done it this way. And I'm hoping that the sound is good. I'm hoping that, uh, that, uh, I'm hoping that uh, uh, everything flows and the images are clear enough and big enough. And uh, so welcome. Uh, I'm, my name is Scott Phillips. I pastor a church here in the Jackson metro area. And uh, uh, it's called Spring Ridge Pentecostal Church. It's on the corner of Highway 18 and Spring Ridge Road, and I would just like to start out by inviting you to join us in our midweek service tomorrow night at 7.30, and our Sunday services, we have Sunday school at 10 and worship at 10.45. So tonight, it is, as I said earlier, it is the sixth week of our Bible study, and uh, so we have uh, covered quite a bit of material so far, and so if you're interested in... Um, going to the beginning where we started the book of Genesis, I have uh, pasted a, um, a link, a playlist link to our YouTube channel, and we have all the previous five videos, and this video will be uploaded there, so we'll have six, and when we get through, uh, hopefully we'll have them all recorded and available for those that would like to watch them later. So I see a few of you are on here. I see uh, uh, Jason and Danny. Uh, 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 hello. <laughs> uh, it looks pretty good on my screen. I hope it's looking good from your screen. I am using new technology. Every week has been different. And uh, last week, it was the worst one yet. But this one actually looks like the best one yet. So, so here we go. We're going to dive off into... Uh, the next slide, and uh, we are covering um, the tabernacle. Uh, 
as we covered last week, uh, the Lord delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, uh, brought them through the Red Sea, and they are in the wilderness. And uh, while they're in the wilderness, they come to a mountain that is burning and shaking. And uh, the Lord calls Moses up on top of this mountain. And he's there for 40 days and 40 nights. And while he is there, the Lord speaks to him. The, the Bible tells us that he shows him heaven. And in heaven, he sees a pattern of worship. And when he comes down, he comes with down with the Ten Commandments and he comes down with a plan. The plan that will make up the new the old covenant method of worship. And ultimately the, the means whereby uh, the believers can receive the remission of sins and can have uh, a relationship with God. And uh, that's just all kinds of things the Lord taught him. And one of the significant parts of what the Lord taught David while he was, uh, David, <laughs> while Moses was on the mountain was, was the means of approach and the manner in which uh, worship would be done. And, and what you see here on the screen uh, is, is known, uh, it's, it's the tent of meeting, it's, it's the tabernacle. And this was inside the inner court. Outside of this tent was a fence, uh, and and there was there was a post that was put in that fence. That that there was a socket. You've seen these things. Sometimes they use it for uh, fences, and you see them made out of concrete, and they'll have kind of like a a, a a cross or an X, and you stick the board in the X. It'll hold up the board. Well, essentially, that was the method that that, he, they, that Moses was instructed to use. But but the thing that held the board, that held the fence up, were sockets of silver. And so every board uh, was placed in this socket of silver, and then a, a ran across the outside of this uh, tent. You see were these uh, basically um, material fences, white material fences. And so the fences were high enough that the, the Jews who were not a part of the priesthood could not see inside the fence. They, they, the, the average Jew never saw inside the fence only the Levites saw inside the fence. And Levi, the tribe of Levi, was only one of the 12 tribes. And uh, so, so specifically the Levites were the ones that went through the process of, of the uh, sacrament, the sacrificial system that the Lord gave the Jews where they could live with their sin dealt with. And what you see here in front of us is is the three things that were inside that white fence. It's the outer court. If you were to fly over the outer court, this is what you would see and say you had a drone. <laughs> so it's almost a perspective. You can almost see the drone hovering over. And you look down and there on the left of this image is the, is the, the altar, the brazen altar and uh, it, it was a place where they, they would uh, 
take the animal in which they had cut its neck and they had uh, cut it up in pieces and they would lay the pieces of the uh, sacrifice on the altar and it was this sacrificial system the blood was used for the remission of sins but the meat from the offering was the means whereby the priesthood uh, were able to feed themselves and feed their families. It was the system uh, in which the Lord uh, ordained. It, the, the priesthood, the Levites, they were essentially the, the judges. The, they were the, the law enforcement, the, the, the government. They were the governmental leaders that, that judged people's offenses and troubles and civil difficulties. And so the, 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 the outward facing priesthood, they dealt, with the, the, they dealt with the people's problems with God's solutions. And as a God facing uh, group, they brought the people's problems to God. And so the priesthood represented almost like a coin. On a coin you have, have two sides. You have, you have one side heads, other side tails. The priesthood was a double-sided coin in that on one side they represented God to the people and on the other side they represented the people to God. It was a priest function. And so it was within this, this thing you see you're looking down on, their sacrifice would be uh, offered on the brazen laver and the blood from that sacrifice uh, once a year would be taken from the animal in which gave the blood, a lamb, and then they would proceed past the altar, the brazen altar, and they would approach the, the brazen laver. And it was from this that they would wash themselves. They were to be clean. And so whatever uh, debris or dust they had accumulated walking in the wilderness, walking in the sand, and it was a reflective pool of sorts. And so it was for them to examine their selves because they're, they're, this, this tent they're about to enter, it's a, it's a, it's a tent with two uh, partitions. There's a partition in the middle of the tent. And the first part of the tent is the, the holy place. The second part of the tent is the holiest of holies. And so when they would proceed from the outer court into the inner court, the holy place, it was there that they would do daily ministry. Every day they were to take bread, the show bread, and they would lay it on the table there inside the holy place. In fact, I don't know if you could see that on your image or not, but it's there on the right of the tent. And then you see in the middle of the tent, there is an altar of incense. And the altar of incense would be where they would burn incense. And they it was an intercessory type uh, situation. They not only burned incense, they prayed while they burned. They're, they burned while they prayed. It was a, was a ministry perspective. And so they, they had the, the showbread and they, they, the priests did eat from that after they took it off the table. But while it was in the holy place, it was something sanctified. They did it because it's what the Lord told them to do. They had bread in the holy place every day. 
and they would burn incense in the holy place every day. But if you see the covering over the tent, there were multiple coverings over the tent. And, and so when you walked in that tent, that tent was just as dark as night. So it was lit by the seven-branched candlestick. You see it there on the left. And uh, that, that, that lamp is what gave light for them to minister, to burn incense, to, to, to pray, to minister to the Lord for the people was in the holy place, and they did this daily. So they had to constantly be sure there was oil in the lamp, that the, the wicks were trimmed, the, the wicks were lit. It was their responsibility, holy responsibility, in the holy place where incense was burning, prayers were offered, the bread was there, the bread of his presence, the showbread. They did this every day. But once a year, the, the priest would enter into the holiest of holies. And uh, there in the holiest of holies is the Ark of the Covenant. And it was there that the high priest, there was only one high priest in all of Israel. And one high priest during his whole ministry, only one individual went in once a year and they would sprinkle the blood upon the Ark of the Covenant. And it was there that God would forgive their sins. God would uh, give them peace. And I've heard people say he would roll their sins forward for a year. But there really was a remission. There was a temporary peace from their sin. The Bible shows us uh, that, that we should die for our sins. And so the purpose of the blood is that the Lord provided a substitutionary sacrifice so though I should die for my lying, I should die for my stealing, I should die for my lust, I should die, die for the wrongs I do, the things I say, the, the, the sinful thoughts I may have. I, before my sin, I should pay for it myself. But the Lord provided a substitutionary sacrifice so that that rather than me dying for my sin or my son dying for his sin or my wife dying for her sin, uh, we, we would once a year, we would bring a lamb for the family and they would take that, that blood from that sacrifice and, and all this process, all of it wrapped up together, there would be an entry into the holiest of holies and they would sprinkle the blood upon the Ark of the Covenant and there would be a sign that the sacrifice was accepted. Interesting thing, I don't have the picture here, but the, uh, the, whole, the high priest was given a specific uh, uniform, a, uh, things they had to wear. And the robe of the high priest uh, uh, at, the, at, the, at the borders of their garments, you kind of think of like a, a judge in his robe, and it's a, it's a long flowing garment. Well, the high priest would wear one of these long flowing garments, and at the, the border, there would be a, a bell and a decorative fruit, a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate. And it is said, tradition, Jewish tradition says that that they would know that the sacrifice had been accepted because they could hear the bells. 
Because there was rejoicing. The Lord has redeemed us from our sin by the blood of the Lamb. And this went on for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. This was the means. This was the method. This was part of Judaism. That's not a part of Judaism today because for thousands of years to this day, since the the their their temple was torn down, uh, uh, they haven't had a sacrificial system. And I, I suggest to you the reason why is the Lord allowed the temple to be destroyed because there was no longer need for the shedding of blood because the ultimate blood of the lamb was shed and we can rejoice that our sins have been forgiven not by the blood of bulls and goats but by the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. <laughs> Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. And so uh, this this picture is it was the, the reality of the Jews. This was the Lord gave Moses the plan in which how to approach him and worship him. And, and it's a picture, if you notice this image, I actually am going to uh, stretch this out and uh, make it full screen. If you notice this, the, the bottom part, you see kind of the process. A man would... Uh, would would bring the lamb to the priest. The priest would take the lamb and it would be offered on the altar, would go to the laver of water, would go and, and approach the, 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 the altar of inter, in, in, intercession, walk in the light of the lamp, uh, uh, live in the strength of the bread, and finally approach the mercy seat. <laughs> the mercy seat and the blood would be sprinkled on the mercy seat and sin the sin problem would be dealt with and this was done year after year after year after year after year after year year after year after year after hundreds of years after hundreds of years after hundreds of years the blood of bulls and goats the blood of bulls and goats the blood of bulls and goats generations of priests went through this process but we know that those were a sign of better things to come. Hebrews says that in the New Testament we have a better covenant because we have a better lamb and we have a better priest and we have a better blood. <laughs> we have a better promise. And so we see the good things to come and we experience the work of the Holy Spirit because we see the fact that Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament pattern in his New Testament gospel. He died. He was the lamb that died for our sins. He was the, the, the man that was risen from the grave, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And, and, and he is the one that ascended into heaven in a, in a, in a, and has sent, his, sent back to us his Holy Spirit. Another thing I would say, I don't know if the next slide shows this or not. It doesn't. But I would say to you that we see a type of the New Testament in this Old Testament pattern. You see the altar, you see the laver, and you see the holy place. The altar, the laver, the holy place. The altar is a place of repentance, a place of death. And we experience our own altar experience by repenting of our sins. And that's something that we never get over. We are always, as long as we live, 
we need to never remove ourselves so far that we are not repenting of our sins. And um, uh, we, we, we must never allow ourselves to be so far removed from our need of humble repentance because I need to repent. I, I, I have repented today uh, before the day got out. Lord Jesus, forgive me for everything and anything I may have done. Help me, Lord Jesus, to live this day above sin. And, and, and as I've lived through the day, I don't know that I've done anything bad, but I am flesh. And so I think it's in order for me, for you, for us together, just to close our eyes and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, if I have allowed any pride to hinder me. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, for any attitude that I may have allowed uh, to hinder someone else. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, any words I may have said that I should have been silent. Forgive me today. That's an order. In fact, that's a habit that, that, that will never serve you wrong. Trying to walk in a way where our conscience is free from offense. Is a, is a powerful thing. The Bible says if, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. What does that mean? Well, the reason why more believers don't have boldness in prayer and boldness in worship and boldness in going to church and witnessing the gospel is because they feel shame. Feel shame. Why do you feel shame? Because of unrepented sin of sinful habits that we allow to rule our life. However, we, we can break loose, we can break free by the power of Jesus Christ, the grace of God, by, by exercising repentance and receive the grace of God that can give me the power to overcome through his spirit what I can't overcome on my own. So uh, so the, the, this Bible study, it's it's... It's it's twelve weeks and you cover the whole Bible, so it's it's fast moving, and so there's a lot I don't cover here. But I encourage you in your own personal study to make the Word of God a part of your life habits, your life pursuits. So uh, the day comes when the children of Israel cross over the Jordan River and they enter the Promised Land. And uh, we, we, we know that, that Moses dies and Joshua leads the children of Israel across the Jordan. And uh, when they are told to cross the Jordan, the Lord tells them, take a stone for every tribe. All 12 tribes take 12 stones and stack those stones on the side of the river. So then future days, when your children, your grandchildren say, what do these stones mean? You can say, this is what the Lord did for us. He brought us out of Egypt. He led us through the wilderness and he gave us this land, this promised land. And, and uh, it, it is so important for us to, to have memorials that will spark uh, conversations with the younger generations so that we can share our story, share our heritage of faith so that they can feel connected to what has happened and uh, what is going to happen.
Wow, <laughs> that covers a lot of ground. We, we go from uh, conquering the land of promise, uh, and we, we're into the judges, so I didn't realize it made that big a jump. Uh, I haven't taught this particular Bible study in a few days. So, uh, so uh, you, you, you step into the book of the Judges, and some of the best stories in the Bible are in the book of Judges. Uh, it is in the book of Judges where you read about Samson and Delilah, uh, Gideon, and uh, Jael. You, you read uh, about how the Lord led his people, and what would happen is the children of Israel, like many believers today, they didn't really do what God told them to do. God gave them specific directions, and one of the main things he told them is don't worship the gods of the gods of the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Philistines. Don't worship their gods. And, and what did they do? Yeah, they, in very short order, they began to worship the gods of the people in which the Lord had driven out because of their paganistic devil worship. And very often the worship systems that the Lord drove the people out, they would offer their children as living babies uh, to their gods. There's, there's one God that was a big brazen brass uh, image and uh, they would roll their screaming babies into the belly of this beast and it would be this cauldron of fire and, and, and that was part of their worship. In addition to part of their worship is they'd have these large sexual orgies and it was just it's unspeakable, uh, diabolical, a lot like today. Uh, I, one time I, uh, I took a, a course at, at, a, at a neighboring church and they were doing the biblical archeology span and they did it for about a semester and they offered it to the community. And uh, the teacher was a archeologist and he had went over to the Middle East and they were, uh, were excavating a tophet. And uh, a tophet, what's a tophet? Well, I didn't know what a tophet was. When he said a tophet, I'm like, I think I've heard the word, but I'm not sure what that word is. Well, a tophet was a cemetery where they would take the bones of the babies they burned and sacrificed to their demon gods, and they would take those bones of the babies and put them in uh, earthen uh, uh, jars, and they would bury them. Yeah. Well, a tophet was a cemetery where they would take all these clay jars with baby bones and they would bury them. And uh, where they were doing, they said, this is the same kind of religious uh, worship that was done by the people in which the Jews were given their land. God gave them the promised land. These, uh, Abraham was there before them but the Lord brought the children of Israel, the, the offspring of Abraham, back into the land and gave it to them. And uh, the, the, this, this tophet that they, they surveyed it and that they, they estimated that this tophet was in operation for like 300 years. And, and every layer was a year. And the 300 layers of of earthen jars full of baby bones 
layer upon layer, hundreds of layers. And they estimated there were 30,000 babies sacrificed to their demon gods every year for 300 years. Sounds like America. That's, but I, I say that to say that when the children of Israel went in, they, they were worshiping a God that, that, that hallowed life. You, you loved your children. You, you would, uh, you would uh, circumcise your children on the eighth day, your sons, and you would, you would uh, uh, offer a sacrifice for your children as a, as a praise and thanksgiving. You would redeem them to the Lord and they would be uh, uh, something you would put your faith in. You would transfer the covenants to. You would put the word of God in them. You'd teach them how to pray. You'd take them to, 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 to read the word of God and that they, were, they, they inherited the holy heritage of faith in Jehovah God. Whereas these uh, heathen religions, literally part of their worship was uh, unrestrained sexual activity and they would take the offspring from this unrestrained sexual activity and they would offer them as a sacrifice to uh, their demon gods. It sounds almost unbelievable except we seem to be living in a similar day. So the Lord promised them and told them, look, I'll give you the land. Go in there and conquer the land. I'll give you the cities and you will live in houses you didn't build. You'll, you'll have trees you didn't plant. You'll drink from wells you didn't dig. You'll live in cities you didn't build. And I will bless you. Just be faithful to me. And so they went in there and the Lord gave them the land, but they adopted these diabolical worship practices and they, they involved themselves in these diabolical, uh, immoral, unvirtuous, vacuous, demonic morality. Uh, read Romans 1. <laughs> so, so this is what the Lord took them in and they were to cleanse the land and don't let this stuff get in your heart and be a part of your life. And they did. So what would happen is every... Every 30, 40, 50, 60 years after they backslid from the Lord, they the, the, the Lord would allow the enemies of Israel to come in and they would defeat them in army. They would enslave them. They would steal their crops and, and uh, uh, kill their children and carry their wives off. And they would get so desperate, they would pray, oh God, deliver us. And the Lord would raise up a judge. And the judge would call the people together to, to, to resist the enemy and there would be a revival and the Israel would return back to God and the judge would rule for so many years and then backsliding would happen and they would fall back into this, this fleshly, sensual, idolatrous uh, culture and then bad things would happen. They would cry unto the Lord. The Lord would raise up a judge and this happened over and over and over again. Somebody said, well, you'd think they'd learn their lesson at some point. Well, you open your eyes a little bit and look at the world around you. Do you think people are learning their lesson today? You have the righteous, faithful people that 
have a revelation and they love Jesus more than they love themselves. But the challenge is since time and memorial, men have been lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And so therefore, that's why the world is in the mess it's in now. And so uh, there would be 15 judges that would reign in Israel throughout this time of the judges ruling. The last judge of Israel was Samuel. It's the story of the little boy. Actually, before the little boy was alive, his mother was barren, Hannah. And she went to the temple and she prayed and she prayed and finally the Lord blessed her with a son. And what she did is once she had weaned that boy, she took that boy to the temple and lent him to the Lord. And he grew up in the temple as a servant to the high priest, to Eli. And there came a day where Samuel is sleeping and he hears a voice, Samuel. Samuel gets up and runs into Eli's room and says, uh, here am I. He said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. You ever had kids? You know how this is. And so Samuel goes back to bed and a little bit he hears his name and he gets up and he runs into Eli's room and says, hey, here I am. And Eli's like, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And so Eli, uh, uh, it happens again. Samuel runs in there. I heard you call my name. And Eli perceived, hmm, this may be of God. And Eli told Samuel, the next time you hear the voice, just say, Lord, hear my speak. And the Lord begins to deal with Samuel. And on a day, because of the sin of Eli's sons, and really the sins of Eli, in that he allowed his sons to have authority in unrighteousness and do unspeakable things. The Bible says the lamp of the Lord. Remember the lamps I told you about earlier in the holy place? The Bible says the lamp of the Lord went out. It was bad. That happens in churches. It happens in believers' lives. The lamp of the Lord goes out. And so Eli and his two sons died on the same day. And Samuel becomes the judge that leads Israel for 40 years, I believe is the number. And then he is the one that anoints Saul to be king. And so the, the transition from the judges to the kings of Israel, it happens through Samuel. Samuel's a judge and then Samuel, because the people ask for a king, he anoints Saul to be king. And Saul is king for 40 years. And then the kingdom transitions because the Lord rejects Saul because Saul will not obey the directions of the Lord, the Lord rejects Saul, and the Lord causes Samuel to anoint David, and David becomes the king. Yes, that's right. <clears throat> this is my last slide. Well, maybe not, that might be my last slide. So I think that is my last slide. Thank you for joining us tonight. I, I, I can see those of you that have commented and are watching. Uh, 
this video is on multiple uh, threads. It's on my page and it's on a few other pages. Uh, if you have a question, I encourage you to send it to me. I don't have my email listed here, but uh, you can send questions to me. You can uh, uh, contact the page you see this on. You can contact me if you're watching this on my personal page. And uh, I would love to answer any questions somebody might have. Uh, if you live in the Jackson, Mississippi area, I encourage you, invite you to come and be my guest on Wednesday night at 7.30. And Sunday morning, Sunday school starts at 10 and worship begins at 10.45. Our church website is www.springridgechurch.com. I hope that we answered questions and I encourage you to read your Bible. And I encourage you to talk to Jesus. Prayer works. How do you pray? Just talk to Jesus like you would your, your friend, your mama. Uh, you just close your eyes, find a place that you can talk out loud, pray out loud, and just talk to the Lord. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Help me to do better. Bless my wife, bless my children. Lord, help me with my job, give me wisdom. Prayer is not difficult, it's simply conversation in faith toward God. The scripture says, for without faith it is impossible to please God. You got to have faith. Any man coming to God must believe that he is. Do you believe in God? Yes. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so such a big part of, of our relationship with God is not just believing in his reality, but us, us engaging God in the, the formula, in the pattern, in his nature, we reap what we sow. And if you sow to the Spirit, you talk to God, you seek his will, you pray for his wisdom, and you do what you know Jesus wants you to do. Sometimes people don't know how to live because they don't know what Jesus taught. So if you fall into that, 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 that description, you don't really know how to live, don't know what to do, Open up your Bible and read Matthew 5 through chapter 7. Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7. And read that until you know it. Read it 10 times. Read it 20 times. And start living like those teachings of Jesus tell you. The whole Bible's true. But that is a that's kind of a crash course of how to start living in a way that Jesus can bless you. Do you want to be blessed? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And no doubt the moral law is a commandments we should keep. But if you read Matthew 5 through 7 or the, the Sermon on the Mount in the other Gospels, that is a crash course of how to start living in a way that will honor God. And in, when you live a life that honors God, God will favor you and you will be blessed. So I pray you were blessed. I uh, hope you have a great night. Uh, visit our website, www.springridgechurch.com. You can send me an email, pastor at springridgechurch.com. Uh, God bless you. If you're seeing this and you've watched this far, share the video. Share it with your friends. Send it in a message. Uh, like our page. If you're seeing this on YouTube, uh, like our channel. Uh, subscribe to our channel. And, and share it. If this ministered to you, uh, uh, share the wealth, if you will. We, we do this every Tuesday night in an effort to be a blessing uh, 
to our community and our world at large. And so uh, if you enjoyed this, something you can do to help me is help me spread the word so that the time and the effort I make is multiplied and maybe may bless someone else. So thank you very much. I hope you have a great night. God bless you.